Greetings and welcome to Doc's Talk, the official podcast of the King County Medical Society. I'm your host, Josh Kearns. Here's a troubling statistic for you. Every three days in the United States, one high school-aged athlete seemingly healthy and normal suffers a sudden cardiac arrest. In fact, the leading cause of death in young athletes on the playing field is an undetected heart condition. There's a simple way to detect these heart conditions, either through using an ECG, an electrocardiogram, or in some cases using an ultrasound or echocardiogram of the heart. However, virtually no young athletes get screened for heart abnormalities during their normal sports physical or well child checks. Mill Creek mom Darla Varenti learned all of this in the worst possible way when her seemingly perfectly healthy teenage son Nick came home and died unexpectedly after playing football. Despite her grief, though, she and her sister Suzanne started the Nick of Time Foundation. And since then, they have brought heart screenings to schools all over our area as well as the rest of the country. They've detected a number of abnormalities and potentially saved countless young people's lives. Over the years, I've had the pleasure and the honor of getting to know and working with these incredible women along with the ever-growing team of volunteer physicians, medics, and others who make these screenings possible. Among them is Dr. Kim Harmon. Dr. Harmon is the head of sports medicine at the University of Washington. She's also a UW professor of family medicine and orthopedic surgery and sports medicine, and, as if that wasn't enough, she's also the head football physician for the Huskies. I caught up with the three of them recently at a screening they were doing at Seattle's O'Day High School for the students there to talk about the importance of these screenings, the very critical medical lessons they've learned over the last decade and more, and here's our conversation. Darla, let's start with, for those who don't know your story, rather than my tell it, just real brief, tell us about your son and how this all came to be. Well, Nick of Time was started in 2006 after the death of my 16-year-old son, Nick, who suffered a sudden cardiac arrest after a football game. And our family felt that this was something important that other families needed to know about. So we started the Nick of Time Foundation as an awareness um, group to kind of talk about sudden cardiac arrest and the importance of CPR and having AEDs at schools. And now we've uh, moved into heart screenings also, making sure that the kids are EKG screened to make sure they're safe to play. I've had the opportunity to work with you guys for the more than more than 10 years in various capacities. I'm always amazed, first of all, uh, Suzanne, at the numbers. Uh, you were just giving me the latest, how many screenings you've done and all that, and, and yet at every one of these screenings, we find at least one kid that, that could have potentially lost their life because of a heart abnormality. Right. We're screening, this is our 74th screening today at O'Day High School. We've screened almost 23,000 kids, and we found over 570 that needed further follow-up with a cardiologist and a full workup, and of that, we found almost 160 that had something very serious that they needed to have fixed, either open-heart surgery or um, a medical procedure or medication to fix it. But the important thing is, is every kid that we found with the problem, we've given their families and their family physician the opportunity to be able to fix it, and every single one of the kids is back out doing what they love to do. So it's not sidelining them, it's it's their being active. We're just finding the problems, fixing it, and allowing them to lead very active, long lives. Obviously, I mean, you are two moms who've been through this horrible loss, and you now are faced with a couple of choices. I always tell people when I talk about you, I say, well, you probably, you know, if I were a parent, I had two choices. I can crawl up in a ball in the corner, 
um, or I can actually do something. And it's amazing to me how you have mobilized, but you couldn't do this without the medical community. That's how Dr. Harmon comes into the picture. And Dr. Harmon, how did you get involved with the Nick of Time Foundation? Actually, Darla met Dr. Dresner at a meeting, and um, I am partners with Dr. Dresner, and so we went to the first screen, actually, at Blanchett High School in 2008 or 10, and um, we've been at pretty much everyone ever since then. And tell me exactly what what your role, so how this works, because our audience here is is physicians primarily, the members of the King County Medical Society. Uh, From a medical perspective, what exactly is it that we're doing here when you have a screening? So, you know, I think that most people think when they go and they get their sports physical or their regular physical that they're guaranteed that their heart is pretty good to go. But in reality, physical exam and the history questions that we do have a very poor predictive value in terms of things that cause sudden cardiac death. It's probably maybe about a 10% sensitivity, and so that's not very good. With the addition of an ECG, so a simple $25 test, if you read it correctly, so if you read it um, using the current standards to read ECGs in young people, it has probably about Well, for things that can be seen on ECG, it has 97% sensitivity, but it can find about 87% of the things that cause sudden cardiac death. And so, um, really with this simple test, we increase our sensitivity and one in 300 kids will have something that can cause sudden cardiac death. Obviously, one in 300 kids don't die of that, but they have something. And we can find these things ahead of time and fix them and then most of them, we're not restricting these kids, most of them actually go back to play. A lot of them will have a relatively simple medical procedure, and then there's some that don't go back to play. We just looked at our data from the PAC-12 screenings, and what we found is that 75% of the kids that were found in screenings went back to play at a varsity level. And so, uh, and I imagine it's probably that or higher in our high school population. But 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 we're really changing lives here, and, and you really need that ECG. The other thing, uh, at this particular screen, when we do screens, we bring echocardiography here. And so if there's any question, if somebody has a murmur, if they have an, uh, a concerning abnormality on their history question, or if they have an abnormality on their ECG, we um, send them over to the echo tent and they get an echocardiogram while they're here as well. Darla, one of the things, I mean, you learned about this the worst way possible, which is Nikki came home and he passed away. And I know that in yours and my talking, you, you had no knowledge of this prior. And, and through you, we have met so many people who have had to experience the same thing. It's amazing to me still just how often SCA or something, some heart abnormality leads to a child's death, and I would argue unnecessarily, if we were to implement this more often, more widespread. Right. Our goal would be that this would be included in a well-child check or sports physical, just a simple EKG alone. Um, and, and it would save so many lives. They'd be able to catch so many things. There is some concern about false positives, but for me, a mom who's lost a child to sudden cardiac arrest, telling a mom that her child needs to have some follow-up just so we can rule out anything is something that I think a parent should take seriously. And, you know, that was a big argument against ECGs 
when we started doing this. The false positive rate was about 20%, and it is if you read it like you read it a 50-year-old in, in the ER. But if you read it using current ECG standards, our false positive rate is about 1.7%, so somewhere around 2%. And so, first of all, you need somebody who can read an ECG correctly, and it's called the international criteria. Um, and right now there's automated systems that pretty much read it for you as well because we don't expect primary care physicians that are in the office to be able to develop the le level of expertise probably that that, that uh, you need to um, to read these things correctly but with the automated system their false positive rate is about five percent so still pretty good um, so I, the false positive rate was a concern initially but if these things are read correctly you know that's well within the range for a screening test. So Susan, what are the impediments right now to having this become more commonplace? I mean, to me, it just seems asinine that you, a volunteer organization, have to get Dr. Harmon and her team and everybody and get to one school every couple of months and all of that when we have thousands and thousands of kids that when they get their sports physical could be screened. Why don't we do that more often? Um, I'm not sure in the U.S. why I think there's a lot of components to that. I don't think that our insurance um, situation, our, our health care and trained physicians are adequate, our infrastructure. But in the meanwhile, um, we do these heart screenings once a month, usually the first Wednesday of every month at a local high school. And we bring between 100 and 125 volunteers to each one of these events. And it's physicians from all different specialties, sports medicine, pediatrician, family practice, practice, um, cardiologists, and they come together with nurses, paramedics, the local fire department, and we can um, screen about 500 kids. Uh, we've screened up to 555 kids in one day, and um, we always need volunteers, and there, our schedule is posted for next school year on our website, www.nicotimefoundation.org. We always need volunteers, and we love to have local community uh, medical people come and help us and learn what we're doing and um, help us spread the word that we need to take a better look at these kids' hearts. So getting, Darla, to the next step, you've worked on um, a number of initiatives. Uh, you've got AEDs put into all of the Seattle schools. You've worked to, to get them into other schools around the region. Uh, you've worked on some legislative initiatives. What is the next step to expanding the, the scope so that we can do this in more places? Well, one of the things we passed in 2013 was the CPR and Schools Bill, which was really instrumental in being able to do curriculum change where every kid before they graduate from high school gets taught hands-only CPR and how to use an AED. That was huge. And as part of that, OSPI wrote in that every school should have some kind of AED program. So one of the things I would tell your people that are listening to go back and ask their kids' schools, do you have an AED program? Because that's the way to start. The second bill we got passed in 2015 was our Sudden Cardiac Arrest Awareness Bill. It's patterned after the concussion law. Kim or Dr. Harmon could probably speak a little bit more about it, but it makes sure that every student athlete that's going through a a sport at a high school, whether they're a private school, public school, or a youth organization that uses the fields, they're supposed to read about sudden cardiac arrest. They're supposed to read about um, why it's important to have your kids heart checked or have AEDs at the schools. And then also the coaches are trained to recognize what a cardiac emergency is. Because a lot of times if something happens on a field, the 
coach doesn't recognize that it's sudden cardiac arrest. So that's part of the training. We also encourage them to teach the kids, the other athletes, because a lot of times a coach will be out on a field all by themselves. And what if something happens to the coach? The kids needs to need to know how to respond in an emergency, what to do, and how to make sure that they can start CPR and get an AED there. So those are very important initiatives for us. We want to make it so that AEDs are required in schools, so that's probably the next step that we're going to do. And then we want to work on some of the sudden cardiac arrest awareness legislation to be able to kind of bulk that up a bit more so it's not just athletes, it's any child that wants to go to the schools that are doing some kind of well-child check. So, I mean, I think that's a real key point. Oftentimes when people collapse, they'll have some tonic-clonic movements and it's mistaken for a seizure. And so there are so many cases. We have one of our volunteers who the person collapsed there's AED, AEDs nearby, and it's just not recognized as a, as a seizure, uh, I mean, as a, as a sudden cardiac arrest. When anybody collapses suddenly, it should be considered a cardiac arrest until proven otherwise. And um, you can put an AED on somebody, and it's not going to shock you unless you have a bad rhythm. And so um, a sudden collapse is an emergency. Now, if somebody collapses maybe after a cross-country meet or something like they sort of stagger around and that sort of stuff, you don't have to run and get the AED, but, but sudden collapses are emergencies. And then, Dr. Harmon, I want to follow up specifically. I know, having gotten to know so many physicians so well in the last couple of years, they, are, they have a hard enough time just seeing patients. You know, they're, they're mandated to see 21 patients a day, 25 patients a day, and all that. So now I often hear, well, gosh, another burden, another thing that I have. I don't have time to do this. It costs too much money, blah, blah, blah. How do we overcome some of those impediments to try and expand, A, the awareness of, a, a say, a primary care doc doing sports physicals, and B, potentially more, is it more funding grants to get ECGs into specific clinics, you know, into, say, Virginia Mason Peds, things like that? Or what, do, what needs to be done within the medical community to try and help expand, A, awareness, and B, the actual ability to do some of these screenings? Yeah, you know, any change in medical practice, they say, takes about 20 years to sort of take hold. Um, and so I think, you know, we're at least 10 years into it, so hopefully hopefully we're making progress. The American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, right now just recommends the, the questionnaire that is used. But I think that everybody acknowledges that if you want to screen for, for things that cause sudden cardiac death, that you need to do more than that. The question right now remains the infrastructure. And I, I agree with you that we can't expect the primary care physician to be able to do this. But when you get the, the tools in here, like the, the uh, EKG machines that can actually do the reading for you, we were taught in medical school that you can't trust, it, trust what the ECG machine says. But on you know particular types of things that were built for this, you can actually trust it and be pretty confident that if it's negative, it's negative. So um, I think that technology is going to be the answer to the implementation part in the primary care office. And I think with the awareness, we just need to keep working um, on our national organizations to 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 acknowledge that the history and physical that we've done for the last 30 years is ineffective for finding things that cause sudden cardiac death. The crazy thing is, is that the American Heart Association wrote into their most recent papers that they support screenings, EKG screenings, if done by community groups. So why is it left up to groups like ours to be able to change the way the medical profession is going to think about doing heart screening for kids? Why isn't this something that's done on a national level? 
and and that's the crazy part to me that they they think that it's something that's um, done well enough that we can do them. So why isn't something that should be done in doctor's office also? Yeah. Uh, they they screen kids in other countries, in Japan, in Italy, they screen kids routinely with an EKG um, throughout a child's. Um, education and their incidence of sudden cardiac arrest or death by sudden cardiac arrest is very, very low. The U.S. just needs to catch up. Darla Varenti and Suzanne Apodaca are the founders and heads of the Nick of Time Foundation. Dr. Kim Harmon is the head of sports medicine, a UW professor of family medicine, orthopedic surgery, and sports medicine, and she serves as the head physician for the Husky football team. I strongly encourage you to check out the Nick of Time Foundation on their website and learn more about their vital work and how you can help, including making a donation or volunteering at an upcoming screening. They do them once a month at schools around our area. And I also encourage you to listen to the past episodes we've done of Doc's Talk. We've got over a dozen now, great conversations of all sorts of things that are of interest and importance to you, our members of the King County Medical Society. You can always just subscribe. It'll download automatically when we do a new episode via iTunes or SoundCloud. Or you can always just come to our website, and I have them there at the bottom of the website. And just click on that, and it'll play right away. Also, if you have an idea for a future segment or would like to participate in one, just drop me a line. Again, I'm your host and producer, Josh Kearns. I also serve as the Director of Communications here. My email is jkearns, K-E-R-N-S, at kcmsociety.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon on the next episode of Doc's Talk, the official podcast of the King County Medical Society. Mm